And this is episode 36 with Elia Harris. You love it. You are great at it. The world needs it. You are paid for it. In this program, we go deep to get answers to essential questions and learn how to develop key skills to live a life that moves you. This is the Beyond the Surface podcast. My guest is a productivity expert, trainer, and coach. Uh, Elia Harris helps individuals and organizations increase productivity through creative problem solving and innovation. If you're someone who often struggles to find solutions to problems, keep listening. In this episode, I asked Elia to share how she got into the problem-solving training business, how to use her light bulb thinking framework to simplify how to solve problems, how to better uh, to better problem-solving, oh no, how better problem-solving leads to innovation and more. Elia, welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. Alonso, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So Elia, uh, let's start with how you got started into the problem solving bu- uh, business. How, how, what, was the, uh, what was that journey like for you? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Um, I have a background in management and that's actually what got me started in investigating creative problem solving and finding different ways of dealing with problems. Um, I then moved into the training industry while I was living in the UK and I was focusing on things like leadership skills, communication skills, and creative problem solving. And I thought that was going to be the winner out of all three uh, areas that I focused on in my training and coaching. But what I discovered actually was that I was ahead of my time, that uh, people were more interested in things like leadership training or Mm -hmm. facilitating strategic um, planning sessions, which I also did. They didn't want to take the risk on innovation. And Mm. so I put that to one side. Long story short, about five years ago, I got back into looking at productivity by becoming an organizing and productivity coach, working one-to-one with individuals rather than training entire teams. And that really um, fired me up to get back into problem solving. One of the, the basic things about having a disorganized home or office is that it's hard to make decisions, and that's why things end up being disorganized. Mm-hmm. So it was a natural fit for me. Mm-hmm. Towards uh, the end of last year, I was asked by our professional association to write a course. They knew my background on creative mm-hmm. problem solving and innovation. I loved it so much, uh, revising, updating that course that I decided to get back into it. And so I launched the creative, um, prob- sorry, I launched the Potential Center at the end of last year to focus solely on creative problem solving and innovation. Interesting. So it, it, it would be fair to say that uh, the lack of innovation may be a lagging indicator of people avoiding to problem solve. Is that right? In a creative yes, way. I'd say that that could be part of it. I wouldn't say that's that's the whole issue, mm-hmm. but definitely it could be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny, you know, when I think about problem solving, the first person that comes into mind is uh, Elon Musk, right? All the things that he's going <laughs> to solve the the world's biggest problems. Yeah. Now, or before um, him, Steve Jobs, actually. Or yes. And yeah. um, uh, what would you say is the the biggest mistakes you've seen when it comes to problem solving? Uh, whether it's something that someone is doing individually or as part of a team? 
The biggest problem I find is that people jump out of sequence. And so there, there is a, my light bulb thinking framework mm-hmm. is a simple sequence. It goes from uh, defining what the problem is and planning. Secondly, doing your ideating, that's the brainstorming. Thirdly, you choose the best idea. And then fourthly, you either implement or innovate that solution, depending on what the first three stages were like. Now, regardless of whether it's my framework or somebody else's framework, the important thing is to follow that kind of sequence. You can come up with the most brilliant idea, but if it's not solving your problem, it's a total waste of time mm. and money, especially if you spend a lot of money developing it. So um, when I work with individuals or teams, the first thing we do is to look at the problem. I poke and I prod at it and uh, we talk about it to find out that it's the right problem or not the right problem. What's, what's the real problem underneath mm-hmm. the symptom? Um, and then, then you can take off and whatever you come up with is going to be addressing that, that issue and you'll have your goals. So you'll know what you're working towards. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I guess my first, my first takeaway here is that the, one of the biggest mistakes is that there is no framework when it comes to problem solving, right? Yeah, there's no framework. There's, there's people are very, are very eager to reinvent the wheel. And the nice thing about having a framework is that you don't have to think about those steps. It's laid out for you. So you don't have to stop saying, oh, what do I do next? Um, it's right there for you. So that, that's the main thing. And also not skipping that planning sequence because if you go straight into the brainstorming, which, you know, everybody loves that. Yeah. Of course you want to do that first. Yeah. Like I said, you might end up with, you know, a solution that does not solve your problem. Yeah. Uh, this light bulb uh, thinking sequence, um, is this something that works for both individuals, people solving problems on their own and teams? Absolutely, yeah. What would be the, the non-obvious difference between individual versus team problem solving? So obviously the obvious dif- the, the difference is that one, you're solving a problem on your own and the other one you're solving as part of a team, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what would be the non-obvious differences when it comes to this? Well, there, there's two ways of answering the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is that you know, going back to that sequence, as, as long as you um, identify the problem, you're deciding what you want to achieve, Uh, you're brainstorming for new ideas, you're choosing which idea you're going to take forward, and then you work that up and and you implement it. You can do that either as an individual or as part of a team. Mm -hmm. Um, I really enjoyed spending time on this question because it made me think about, well, what is the difference between Mm -hmm. when you work on your own? And for me, to answer your question, Mm -hmm. it's in the brainstorming. So Mm. when you work... Uh, to so, when you're brainstorming in, as part of a team, and that could just be working with one other person, it doesn't have to be a whole team, you tend to voice your thoughts. So you'll recognize this by hearing people say things like, well, let me try this out on you, or uh, this may be completely off the wall, or what if. And so it helps to get the thoughts out of our heads. The danger when we work on our own to solve a problem is that, and I don't know if you've noticed this, Alonzo, but I, time and time again, I notice that the thoughts that I hear in my head are very often very different, or they're, uh, I can refine them even further if I spit them out, if I'm using somebody as a sounding board. 
Now, what somebody can do if they don't have somebody to use as a sounding board, mm. the best thing is pen and paper. Mm. If you can visualize, that helps um, to get the stuff, <laughs> the thoughts out of your head onto paper. And then you have a, a much better way of looking at a problem or an idea from different angles. And the visualization of that could be just, you know, doing a step-by-step, you know, here, here's the sequence of this work process, or it could be drawing it out. You can use stick figures. And um, sometimes I use, um, you know, these little post-it notes and I draw a person on them and I give them a name and I have two or three of these. So I say, okay. And on, you know, on paper, it's very easy to peel one off and move it and say, okay, he's here. He's now going over here. And now so-and-so joins them. They, they talk and you know just doing silly stuff like that gives a whole different focus to things so um, I, I think the, the question behind your question is also can people do this stuff on on their own you, you refer to it a little mm-hmm. while ago and that, that's a perfect example of how you can do that got it but you, w- you would almost encourage anyone listening that if they have somebody that they can uh, run a, a problem solve, solving session with that would be best as compared to on your own? It's one option, absolutely. As long as the... the it's a better option, correct? It's, it's, it could be a better option. I, I think that, you know, if you can play off of each other and if you set up the guidelines for that to happen. So one thing that's really important is you do not judge an idea. So if you uh, mention yeah. a, an idea, the other person does not say, I don't see that working here. You yeah. just run with it. Um, and every um, idea is valid. Ellie, I'm listening to this and, you know, this reminds me of... Uh, thing about meetings right sometimes people they're trying to solve problems and they basically create meetings so that they can bounce ideas on mm-hmm. others and you know you have three four people sitting on a on a table and they're really not saying anything they're just basically playing soundboard for this person right yeah. so w- would you recommend some of these people who are creating all these meetings just to, to use all these people as sound uh, walls, or I think that's what you call them. Sounding uh, boards, yes. Sounding boards to do some sort of work before these meetings to to make the the the, the use of everyone's time to maximize use of everyone's time. Actually, an excellent point, Alonso. Um, when I host brainstorming meetings, I send an email out beforehand, mm-hmm. at least a week in advance, and say. This is the purpose of our meeting, mm-hmm. um, and they they see who's invited, and then I tell them what I want them to do in advance. So mm. um, I might say, bring one idea with you. You know, we're going to do some work together, but think in advance of something that um, is going through your mind around this. And I try not to be too specific. I might say, you know, an aspect of the problem or something that you think would be interesting to try. Mm-hmm. Now, I would like to go back to the light bulb framework. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any examples, top of mind, that you can use of any recent sessions that you may be able to share with us so that we can see the framework in some real-life context versus sure. talking about what it is but seeing it in action with an example? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked with a school. Mm-hmm. It was um, uh, like a technical development um, you're, you're developing technical skills there. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to um, improve their 
their education system and philosophy, they, they um, thought that it would be a good idea to um, come up with a new curriculum to add to their existing curriculum. And so I took them back to phase one and said, okay, well, what's the problem? And they said, well, our students aren't interested in the work that they're doing, so we want to give them something more interesting. And what it came down to was that we discovered that the real problem was how to make it fun for kids to come to school because they were experiencing a high truancy rate. You know, a lot of kids were skipping class and they wanted to bring those kids back. Uh, they didn't, this group of kids didn't have a lot of opportunities. So they wanted to make sure that those kids had the, the, the opportunity to take advantage of the schooling they had there. And that just, you had to be there to feel the energy in the room just shift up incrementally. Um, so we took it from there. Uh, we went the into problem. the Yeah, they identified the right problem. Mm -hmm. They could have spent a lot of money developing a new curriculum that wouldn't have done anything. Mm -hmm. They would have wasted all that time. So in the end, they um, started coming up with ideas about, well, how can we create more engagement between the students and the teachers? That's the brainstorming session. The brainstorming session, exactly. Um, And so they started coming up with ideas of... um, how to, um, let me go back a step because Mm -hmm. another thing that I do when I work with this framework is that I bring in tools that I think are gonna resonate well with Mm -hmm. uh, the teams of the individuals that I'm working with, brainstorming tools. Mm -hmm. So the one that I used with them was put yourself in the shoes of somebody else completely different. Um, You know, it could be an alien, it could be a doctor, it could be a sanitation worker. And so they all chose their role And it gave them an opportunity to look at the problem from a different angle. Some of the solutions that they came up with um, led into things like giving students more access to the teachers for one-to-one coaching. Um, They'd had a lot of complaints that, well, I want to see my teacher, but they're never around. And so I lose interest and I just go off and do Mm -hmm. something else. So that's an example of that. Okay. You know, and, and, and kind of going back to the the planning, ideating, and choosing. I'm looking mm-hmm. at here at your your website, in the light bulb thinking framework. Mm-hmm. So basically, all of these steps take part during one meeting. Uh, so there is a way of doing that. Uh, I do a full uh, day course. I also do a three day course where it's it's one full day and a half day either end. Uh, the, the first half day is with leaders to um, give them. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, the, what I'm talking about is like the, this framework, the, the implementation of the light bulb thinking framework to solve a problem. Does, does this happen? You know, once the, the participants know how to use it. Does this happen within one meeting or is this like separate meetings? Like one is for oh. planning, the other one is for ideating. How does that work? I see. Specifically Sorry. with oh, that please. example that you were sharing. No, no yeah. worries. Um, so when you actually implement the system, yes, you would be breaking it down most likely. You you could plan it, you know, it depends on how your planning goes. You could plan it so that you do 
the planning session and the ideating session in one day or half a day. It depends on how quickly people work and understand the concepts. And that's where uh, the brainstorm takes place, correct? Exactly. One thing that's definitely good to not do is to have the choosing done on exactly the same day as the ideating because you want time for those ideas to filter down, to come back for a, a second brainstorming session perhaps and maybe ask some more questions and uh, help you come up with uh, some ways that are going to make it easier to choose. Uh, so perhaps the choosing session can be done at the end of the second brainstorming session if you feel that it's it's the right time to do it. So that's where you pick the best brain, yeah. the best ideas from the brainstorming. Yeah. You, and as part of your planning process, you come up with the criteria that you're going to use for doing your choosing. Mm -hmm. So it, does it have to um, create a certain amount of income? Um, mm. it, you know, just what, what are the, the must-haves in that? Like it could be something like it must be a smart, um, a smart idea in the, in the way that it's similar to smart goals, right? It's like yes. measurable and Precise. specific and all these things. Yeah, because okay. otherwise, how are you going to know if it's a good idea if you have no way of measuring it? No, makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. And I guess in implementing is where you start doing the And again, you know, when you come up with your, your chosen idea, at that point, you can say, yeah, we can implement this. It's just going to take a, a little bit of negotiating of staff time or a bit of budget. We can do that. Or you can say, this idea is so good, we owe it to ourselves to properly see how far we can take it. And at that point, you move into a different um, framework and you start looking at it as an innovation, which is a whole other set of actions. Mm, okay. And what, what do you think are the key areas in a problem-solving session that leads to innovative ideas? or to innovating what you're doing? Um, Should we be shooting for innovating all the time when we're solving a problem, or is this something that is only a good fit sometimes? How would you uh, think about that? Thank you for that clarification. That helped a lot. Um, I think there are far less occasions when innovation can happen simply because... It's such a major shift. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can do a lot of small incremental improvements that can take you to the same place mm -hmm. as innovation. And you're developing your creative thinking muscles as you're going. It takes time to be able to figure out how to achieve an innovation. So um, it makes sense to... Focus on, you know, just look around you and see opportunities for creative thinking, for creative problem solving. The more you do it, the easier it gets. And then you'll also be more attuned to seeing things that could be an innovation. So my advice is start with baby steps. So try and go zero to 60 in three seconds. Mm. Okay. Hey, Elia, thank you so much. And then the next part of, of these uh interviews is really like a rapid series of fire fire questions and okay. this is really to learn how you work <laughs> okay um so the idea here is to kind of give us like the, your one sentence answer for all these questions all right uh, 
or maybe a little more starting with the first one <laughs> what's your morning routine like <clears throat> my morning routine is that uh i get up i exercise i write in my um uh aspirational journal mm -hmm. and then i have a bulletproof coffee and <laughs> then i start working what then you get up it varies between six and seven one word that best describes how you work focused current computer macbook current mobile device iphone uh two, three apps, software tools you can't live without? Uh, Gmail and Calendar. Um, Evernote. Whatever they think are you better at than most people? Uh, seeing the problem for what it is. What's your workspace setup like? My, my worst workspace set up my workspace like. um i am talking to you from my from the standing position of my sit stand desk i have a foam mat that's got bubbles on it so i can move around and nice. exercise my feet and <laughs> good lighting um what's your best time saving life hack being focused what's your favorite way to keep track of your to-dos uh, that's a really interesting question. Um, so I have a notebook and uh, I, I can show you this. It's got the week at the top mm -hmm. and then my days and I choose uh, three to four items that I'm going to do on that day. Mm. What do you listen to while I work if you listen to anything? I do listen to music a lot when I'm working, uh, depending on my mood. Generally in the morning, it's classical. In the afternoon, it's jazz. What are you currently reading? I am currently reading The Art of Gathering. Mm. What's your sleep routine like? I'm usually in bed by 10. I have found over time that if I do not get eight hours, I don't function at my peak, and I make no apologies for that. <laughs> what do you what do you do when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused i take time out uh often i'll go for a walk or i'll just sit and do something else uh, then i'll go back to my to-do list and i'll figure out what's really important for me to do right now in the last three years what have you become better at saying no to people that just want to suck the time out of me and it just does not mm, jibe well with what I'm doing. So their interests don't match up with mine. Hey, what advice would you give your 30-year-old self? <laughs> um, trust in myself. Trust in yourself. Uh, what's something that most people don't know about you? I used to be a professional singer. <laughs> right. Now, before we go to the last question, uh, where can people find you online? The website is thepotentialcenter.com. Okay. And we'll add uh, other uh, links in the show notes for you. Which, uh, which social media channels are you active on? LinkedIn. LinkedIn? Okay, we'll link to your LinkedIn there. Thank you. Um, so the last question is, if today was your last day on earth and everything you've created was all to disappear, 
but you could leave your loved ones and the world behind with three truths about life, what would those be? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, three truths about life. Uh, one is expect the unexpected because it will always happen. Uh, the second is experts may not be the right experts for you. And the third truth is, I think, just trust your gut. Go with your intuition. Mm -hmm. So expect the unexpected. Mm -hmm. So I guess be, be okay with uncertainty in one way. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. Uh, and say, uh, the, not, not every expert is the right expert for you. So it's a matter of finding a good fit for what you need and yes. making sure that they have the skills and knowledge that an experience to help you get there, I guess. Yeah. And, and then the, the, the other one, the last one is go with your gut, which is trust your intuition. Yes. Hey, that was wonderful. Elia. Uh, thank you so much for, for your time today. Thank you, Alonso. It's been a pleasure. And that was my interview with Elia Harris. A couple of quick announcements before you leave. For reference, you can access these episode notes alongside other resources at bit.ly bit slash bts ep036. That, that is bit.ly slash bts ep036. Finally, if you enjoyed listening to this interview, the best way to support this podcast is by leaving a review in your podcast app. Thank you for tuning in. And remember to live a life that moves you.